just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast, fresh off our road trip. (laughs) That was an interesting story. I think I told you in the last podcast that my wife and I, another couple, were going to go down from Minnesota down to West Lafayette, Indiana, to see the Minnesota Gopher football team play the Purdue Boilermakers. And that's exactly what we did. We took off Friday morning and... uh, Ended the first leg in Champaign, Illinois, which is about two hours outside of uh, West Lafayette. And we stayed there the night. All seemed to go pretty well. The hotel was nice. Had a nice dinner. All was cool. So the plan was to get up the next morning, get in the car, and drive directly to West Lafayette, directly to the game. Worked out pretty well. Timing was fine. We took off. We got to the game. We get into the stadium. And let me just say up front. The Purdue campus is gorgeous. It's a beautiful campus. I really liked it a lot. The stadium is awesome. And the people there were as nice as can be. Now, the Gophers won the game, but after the game, I had like three or four uh, Purdue fans come up to me and say, hey, nice game. You don't get that in Wisconsin or some of these other places, or Iowa. You don't get that. I mean, you don't always get mean people. Wisconsin, you kind of do. Iowa, not so much. But you don't get anybody being overly friendly. So that was a nice experience there. But we get to the game, and we get to our seat. Not bad, about 20-yard line, about five rows up. It was good. Got to see all the uh, activities before the game. This was Purdue's homecoming, so there was a lot of cool stuff happening. People being introduced, the marching band. It was it was a good time. I was really impressed with Purdue. So we sit in our seats, and as we're sitting in our seats, there starts to be a little drizzle of rain. <laughs> now, when I talked about this on TikTok, somebody said, well, I hope you brought your rain gear. Fuck no, we didn't bring our rain gear. We're idiots. <laughs> so we're sitting in this drizzle watching the game. And it's fine. I mean, I'm from Minnesota. I can tough out a little drizzle. We go through feet of snow and sub-zero temperatures. A little rain's not going to kill anybody. But about halfway through the uh, game, we get now torrential rains. (laughs) And we are getting absolutely soaked. I mean, I'm as wet as I've ever been. And I'm sitting there watching this game. Now, the other couple later on said, like in the third quarter, said, you know, maybe we should leave. It's it's pretty wet out here. I said, hell no, there's no way we're leaving. We drove nine and a half hours to get down here. The Gophers are actually winning this time, and we can't get any wetter than we already are. It's still kind of warm, so we're not cold, but we are soaked. So no, we're riding this bitch out, <laughs> and we did. We stayed for the whole game, and it really went down to the wire, uh, the Gophers won, making a game-saving interception. And we walked away the winners. So that was nice. And as I said, when I'm coming out of the stadium, I get Purdue people coming up to me. Hey, great game, which is not something you see on college campuses normally. 
But these folks were very nice. It was a very nice facility. And as we're walking to the car, somebody reminded us that uh, one of the groups said, uh, we're driving all the way back to Minnesota tonight, right? I looked at my wife. I thought, well, it's almost 4 o'clock. It's nine hours. We're driving through areas we don't know much about. I said, I, I don't think that's a good idea. Plus, we're wet. And we got no place to stop because we didn't have a hotel in uh, West Lafayette, and we'd already closed out our hotel in Champaign. So what to do? Well, we decided not to drive all the way back home. Discretion's the better part of valor, and that was the smart move. But we wanted to get at least halfway home, so today's travel, this is Sunday, um, we didn't have to spend another nine hours in the car. So we chose Davenport, Iowa as our next stop. That was kind of halfway. Now, of course, in order to get to Davenport, Iowa, that's about five hours, and we are still soaking wet. (laughs) But what are you going to do? I told my wife, I said, pull over to Goodwill. I'll buy some shit, put it on, change it in a gas station, and just keep going. But, of course, nobody liked that idea. I was serious. I would do that. And uh, so, anyways, we're driving back these five hours, headed toward Davenport. Now, normally when I need a hotel, especially when it's quick, and this was quick because it's 6, 7 o'clock at night, and I need one for tonight, I go to the uh, Priceline app. It's pretty easy. And actually, if you wait till the night of, sometimes you can get some pretty cheap prices on uh, Priceline, mainly because they either got to get rid of them or they're going to lose their money. They, they're accounting for X amount of rooms, and they need to get rid of them. So I found a room, kind of a mid-tier hotel. It wasn't a great hotel, but it wasn't a shitty hotel. It was a name brand, um, and it was available. The, the, the reviews were good, and the price was good. So I bought the two rooms right there in the car as we're headed that way. And I've done this many times before when it's just my wife and I. and Everything's fine as long as you keep track of what the reviews are. You don't go under a seven when you're looking at the reviews. Seven above, cool. Seven below, you're in for some shit. So anyway, we're driving to this uh, this hotel in Davenport. Five hours later, we arrive. Now keep in mind, I already paid for these rooms on the Priceline app. That's the way it works. You pick it out, you pay them, they pay the, uh, they pay the, uh, um, Hotel, and it's it's usually pretty simple. But we pull up to this hotel. I walk up to the gentleman behind the counter. I said, I have two reservations, and this is what they are. And uh, he looks at me and looks confused. I go, what's the confusion? Uh, well, I just need your card to do the deposit. And I said, okay. So he runs the card. He goes, I go, wait a minute. Huh? How much are you charging on that card? You say, well, the room is this and, and the deposit of this, so this. I go, no, dude. I already paid for the room, and you know that because you've got notified by Priceline. You're not charging me for the whole thing over again. Put the 50 bucks on or the deposit, and then we'll be done. He goes, well, I don't think you paid for it. I go, look you dumb son of a bitch. Here's my phone. Here's the card on my phone. It shows the money being paid to Priceline. It was paid. So now he really can't do much. He tried to do the same thing to the other couple too. 
And I don't know if it was somebody being a criminal. He seemed like a nice guy, but who knows? Or if he was just stupid. Or he just didn't understand. Maybe I shouldn't blame him. Maybe I should blame the manager for putting somebody who's incompetent behind the counter, assuming that it's at night, so it should be pretty light and pretty easy. You would assume that. And I, and he says, well, you know, you could go cheaper with the deposit. I go, how do you mean? He says, well, if you pay with cash, then it's only 25 bucks. I said, so if I do this with a card, you're going to charge me 50 If I give you cash, it's 25 I can do that. And then he tells me the amount. I go, how is that cheaper? He said, no, you got to pay for the room in cash and then give me the, the, uh, the, the deposit. I go, you want me to pay for the room over again in cash to you? He said, well, yeah, then you can get a refund uh, back from Priceline. I don't want to fucking do that. Priceline's harder to deal with than you. I just want to get the goddamn room. I've been on the on the road for five and a half hours. I'm soaking wet. I just want to get in the goddamn room. And to me, I've never seen a hotel that will take cash unless it's by the hour. So I said, I don't think taking cash is a thing. He goes, oh, yeah, we do it all the time. I go, you may do it all the time, but I don't do it. No, we're not doing that. So we finally get it worked out. We get everything covered, and hopefully everything is fine. I'm going to watch my credit card here for a while because I don't trust anybody. And this guy seemed a little shifty. So anyway, we get it done, and we go up to the room. Finally, we can get out of our clothes, go to bed, and be done with it. Get up in the morning and head home. But we get to the room, and... Now, look, I'm not a I'm not a hotel snob. I don't have to have the fanciest hotel, especially when I'm just sleeping there for six hours and then on the road again. But this this room was shit. It was dirty. There were stains on the towel. And I don't know what the stains were. There was some mold in the uh, in, in, in the bathtub, the shower. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a name brand place. It should be all right. I've stayed in places like this before, you know, in a short order thing when I needed something right away. And uh, and so I was appalled by this. And my wife is a freak about dirty rooms like this. She slept in her clothes on top of the bedspread, and that's the only way she would go. She goes, I don't know what the hell's in this place, but I'm not. I'm not taking it with me. So we slept. And then later in that night, about 2 o'clock in the morning, I hear a noise upstairs. You know, when you have rooms above you, you might hear a thump or or a bang or something. And, you know, that's just part of being in a hotel, especially a shitty hotel. But what I heard was really weird. It was like somebody was purposely stomping on the floor. Just go, boom. Walk a few steps, boom. And it's like they went around the whole perimeter of the room, just stomping purposely. Now I thought to myself... I'm going to complain to the first uh, front desk, or maybe I'll go up there and complain to them. Then I thought, this fucking place is a little sketchy now that I see the inside of the room, and I see some of the people in it. Now, this wasn't in a bad area. This wasn't a bad hotel, but what was going on there was a little sketchy, so I thought to myself, well, I could either tough this out, deal with the pounding on the ceiling, or go down to the front desk and complain, or go upstairs and complain, and end up being dead. So, 
I just dealt with it, fell asleep, got up in the morning. And and the funny thing, as I found, was that, um, you know, they said, we have the breakfast in the morning. I go, okay, great. They're usually shitty breakfast, especially in a place like this. And I wasn't even going to eat in this place because I didn't trust it. But by the time we got down there, the other couple said, you know what? There is no food down there. I go, what do you mean? Because they don't do that on the weekends. I go, what? I go, you don't want to eat that shit anywhere. We'll stop someplace. We don't want to eat here. Let's get the fuck out of here. And we did. And we drove five hours home. I'm finally home. I'm finally dry. Well, I was dry last night. But I'm dry. And I'm glad to be done with that fucking road trip. Because that was crazy. Uh, It was fun at the game. The rain was a little troubling. But for the most part, it was good. Let's talk about some of the things that are happening in the news. You heard about this oil spill down off Huntington Beach in California. They're saying, uh, what, 126,000 gallons of oil is spilled. I don't know if it's ongoing or if that's the end amount, but they're saying it's covering 5.8 nautical uh, miles, and they're talking about uh, this being kind of an ecological catastrophe. We've seen oil spills before, even bigger ones than this, and we know the damage it can do. And when I look at this situation, it makes me wonder why it's taking so long to get this whole electric vehicle thing done. Oil is an old energy. It's been around for a 100 years. And the reason why there hasn't been more progress with getting rid of oil and doing something more with green energy is largely due to the fact that the oil companies have hugely powerful lobbyists. And these lobbyists put money in the pockets of our congressmen and women, and they help to maintain the status quo with the oil companies so they can keep gouging us and keep making money. But when we see some of the things like the oil spills on the ocean, and we hear about these pipelines that go through uh, an Indian nation or through uh, the country, And everybody says, yeah, we got to do it. Keep oil prices cheaper. But the fact of the matter is the potential for these things to leak and damage our land or our oceans is ridiculous. We're having enough trouble with uh, climate change and all the problems ecologically that we're going through now because Donald Trump didn't give a shit about it. Now, if you question whether or not these oil companies do, in fact, own some of these congressmen, let me tell you something maybe you didn't know. The one representative or one senator in this country that gets more money from the oil companies, guess who that is? Joe Manchin. And why? Because he has some power. He's a Democrat, but he acts like a Republican, and he can fuck up the Democrats' um, process for getting green energy or whatever they want to do. So they pay him a bunch of money. And it was really funny. People are upset about this. And they went out to the Potomac and they got in their little boats, a bunch of uh, people from West Virginia. And they pull up to Joe Manchin's huge fucking boat. I mean, it's huge. And it had to be really expensive. And they pulled up in front of Joe's boat and they said, this is your constituents. We want you to do something. We want you to pass this bill. We want you to do this. 
So Joe steps out on the deck of this humongous boat. And he's trying to placate these people. And she is <laughs> the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. These people say, we want to tax the rich. <laughs> and Joe goes, so do I, as he's sitting on a $3 million boat in the Potomac, relaxing when everybody else is under turmoil because we're trying to get help for the people of this country. Yeah, Joe gets most of the oil money, but he's not the only one. A lot of these people uh, in Congress get money from oil. And that's why our oil situation perpetuates. As I've said, oil's been around, what, 100, 150 years, whatever. These companies have made tons of money. Some of the richest families in this country, the legacy wealth in this country comes from the oil companies. Hell, the Bushes, George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, they're wealthy as can be from oil. Now, oil was a reasonable business, and it was something we needed. But we're now seeing more and more the possibility of electric cars, Tesla and some of these others that are coming out. But there's always been brakes put on it as far as establishing these things. Took somebody like Elon Musk, who had independent money and could just do it. And now they're starting to feel the push for the green energy. And they don't like it. So they're paying Joe Manchin and a bunch of other congressmen to make sure that we keep stuck with oil. Well, clearly with Tesla and some of these other vehicles that are electric, we know there are some options. And by doing the option of going electric, you don't have to change the oil in your car. You don't have to put gas in it. There is no emissions from it. So it seems reasonable that would be the way to go. And some of the car companies are seeing this, and they are now starting to take hold of it, which is the smart thing for them to do. But that leaves the oil company out in the cold because they might end up being a, um, an extinct business. And we've seen businesses go extinct before in this country, you know. <laughs> Remember back in the old days when they had these companies that would charge you these humongous rates for long distance? Now we pay nothing for long distance. And all those long distance companies had to go other routes or go away. And the oil companies are seeing this, so they are troubled by the prospects of all this new energy. But we have a government and we have representatives that are trying to force feed us this oil process so that we keep paying the big money, keep going in our pockets, paying all this money for gas prices or whatever. And I know the Republicans want to say, oh, Joe Biden raised the gas prices. Well, fact of the matter is the president has no bearing on gas prices. It has to do with supply and demand. And Joe Biden had nothing to do with that. Donald Trump had nothing to do with it. No president ever has. So that's a bunch of bullshit. I mean, it's kind of like what we went through with big tobacco. They kept telling us, no, it's good for you. It's not a problem. We don't know that it causes cancer. But they were making so much money that they were able to continue, and they got help from Congress. Now there's this big push to get everybody to stop smoking. But I always wondered, the government makes so much money off of cigarettes and tobacco. If they actually push it out and end it completely, they're going to be out a lot of money. So what are they going to do? Well, they're going to keep pumping on the oil. 
Then we see these oil slicks. We see animals dying. The ecology being dramatically affected. There's got to be a time when we change this whole process. We're 2021 now. It's not the 1930s. It's not the 1950s. Time to make a change. We see what it's doing to this world, to our country. And the only reason we haven't made the dramatic change earlier is because of money coming from the oil companies to our representatives. This shit's got to stop. We can't keep hearing about oil spills, whether it be on land or in the sea. The damage it does is almost insurmountable. So we've got to keep pushing to get this oil addiction we have to this country. We've got to do it. It's not like, well, it'd be nice if we could do it. We have to do it. With global warming and just the damage it does to our land and our seas, we've got to stop it. These people aren't being careful enough. That's why, well, there's a Native American reservation in Minnesota where they want to run an oil pipeline through it and they're in the process of trying to do it and of course the nation is trying to stop it and once again the government and a big company is walking all over our Native American people. The shit's got to stop. There's no value in perpetuating oil. We need it for a while. It's going to be around for a while but we need to make that transition to cleaner energy for the sake of the country, for the sake of the people. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll talk about some interesting shit next, so stick with me. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So did you hear that Donald Trump is suing Twitter? (laughs) Donald Trump wants Twitter back. You took his toy away from him. Now he's mad. What he's finding out is he doesn't have as much impact on this country as he once had when his Twitter account was active. Now that that's been taken away from him, he's finding out his little press releases don't do shit. He's seeing the people that are supporting him are starting to wane. He doesn't have as much clout as he once had. He's trying to grift money from his people and it's becoming harder and harder. You got a small group of people that are willing to send him money, but they're running out of money because they didn't have any money in the first place. Oh, yeah, he has some rich benefactors, but they're even getting tired of the bullshit when his company gets indicted and some of these things start coming to pass. These people will run from him like he was a fire. And so Donald Trump sees that coming. He's in trouble. He is uh, spiraling out of control. And eventually he will crash. In his mind, because he's arrogant and narcissistic, he thinks he'll never crash. He'll always be the king. But it comes to an end for everybody who is like Donald Trump. I've seen many of them. Much smaller cases, of course, but they all spiral out of control and crash. And Donald Trump is in trouble. That Twitter account not only means getting people to support him, Uh, as far as votes or just general support, but also in getting money. He's finding it harder to get money. So Twitter 
is going to be sued by Donald Trump. And of course, his lawyers are saying Twitter is infringing on Donald Trump's First Amendment. But I find this funny, because if I have a lawyer, I would want him to understand the Constitution and just the laws in generally, but clearly they don't. Because the Constitution and the First Amendment right doesn't protect you completely from censorship. The fact of the matter is, the First Amendment right only protects you from the government censoring you, not private companies. Private companies can do whatever the fuck they want. They can censor anybody they want, as we've seen on TikTok and we've seen on Facebook and we've seen on Twitter. If you get on their platform and start spewing lies, conspiracy theories, trying to incite insurrections, trying to foment violence, well, they're going to take you off because you're a problem, not only for their platform, but for this country. If they don't take you off, they're going to be in trouble. And because they're a private company, they have every right to do it. There is nothing in the Constitution that tells them they have to give his Twitter account back, especially if he misused it as much as he did. In real terms, what's happening here is the twi- Twitter or Facebook or whoever uh, is being protected by the Constitution by not having to give it back to him. So he thinks he's going to do this, and he thinks he's going to get it back, but he's going to fail just like he always fails. He's in desperation mode right now, and unfortunately, uh, his normal practice is, I'm going to sue you, I'm going to scare you, and you'll fold up and die. Well, let me tell you something. Twitter is a big company. It's worth a lot of money. Twitter could drain Donald Trump of every penny that he has, if he has any at all. So he's going up against an insurmountable force. He can't beat Twitter. The law doesn't side with him. The Constitution doesn't side with him. And Twitter has way more money than he does. So Donald Trump's not going to win this one. As I say, this is desperation for Donald Trump. I wanted to talk about one other thing, too, um, regarding social media. Facebook. Yeah, Facebook's having some problems. Now, I spent a lot of time on Facebook. I did some Donald Trump stuff for the last four years talking about it, and it was fine. I got a pretty good following, and uh, there was a lot of activity when I did this stuff. But uh, it got boring after a while. And Facebook, to me, it didn't seem like the proper vehicle for the things I was doing. So I pretty much let up on it. I might, you know, I might throw some pictures of my granddaughter or birthdays or anniversaries or something like that, but I don't really deal with it politically too much. It just got to be a headache and really not worth the effort. That's why I jumped to TikTok. That took off pretty good, and now the podcast. I'm content with TikTok and the podcast. Anything else, I might do Instagram some. Uh, That's all right, but these two vehicles, TikTok and, and the podcast, seem to be the best thing for me. But There is a whistleblower now who is a former employee of Facebook. And this, uh, in fact, I think they were on 60 Minutes tonight. I haven't seen it yet because I'm doing a fucking podcast. But uh, apparently this this, uh, whistleblower is stating that uh, Facebook purposely amplifies hate 
and also was partially responsible for the January 6th insurrection. And frankly, this makes sense. I mean, you think about all the Proud Boys and all the um, Oath Keepers and all the other Trump LaFucks that are on on, uh, Facebook spewing all these lies, conspiracy theories, QAnon, uh, trying to incite violence. Yeah, that's a problem. That should be a problem for Facebook, and that should be a problem for this country. But Facebook uh, didn't do anything about it. They said, oh, that's cool. More activity on Facebook, better for us. More money for us. Well, now they're getting called out on it. They are getting called out on it by um, this whistleblower and some people in Congress, and it's going to be a problem for them. Now, I don't know that there is any legal ramifications from this situation. I'm not sure of that. But I can tell you this, it's going to do a lot to harm their public relations. And let's be honest, any of these apps that come out, whether it be Facebook or TikTok for that matter, they all have an expiration date. At some point they become uh, not popular anymore, they go by the wayside. And my concern for Facebook is that they may end up being this year's version of MySpace. Remember how big MySpace was? And now you don't hear about it at all. And that could happen to Facebook, especially if somebody steps up and offers a better alternative. Now, I found a different alternative. It's not the same as Facebook, but I like it better in TikTok in the podcast. But that could cause Facebook a lot of problems. And I don't know, as I said, there might be some legal ramifications, but I'm not sure. But once all this is exposed, it's going to be a problem for Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, and anybody else that's in Facebook. Now, at this point, Facebook is a lot of people of my vintage, middle-aged folks, you know, showing pictures of their kittens and their kids and their grandkids and stuff, and that's fine. But uh, if they start finding out that uh, they were part of this insurrection on January 6th or all is exposed about how they perpetuated all this hate speech, Well, some of these older folks in my age are going to say, yeah, I don't want to be part of that. And all of a sudden, Facebook, which is a um, big moneymaker, could go by the wayside. I mean, eventually it's going to happen anyway, because that's what these things do. But this might hurry up the situation because it's a real problem for Facebook. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook anymore. I don't hate Facebook for what I've used it for. But they can't keep doing this. They can't be part of the reason why white supremacy and insurrectionists are able to do what they do. That is working against this country. And if there is no legal ramifications, at the very least, there are many people of our age who are the bulk of the people on Facebook that aren't going to like that. They're not going to want to participate in it, and they're going to walk away from it. They can do it easily enough and look for other options. So we'll see what happens with Facebook. We know Donald Trump will try to sue Twitter, and he'll lose like he always loses. Facebook is going to face some serious public relations problems, and that may be the end to them, ultimately. It's going to take a lot. I mean, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but they could ultimately start to fade. This company has been a juggernaut making all kinds of money. Well, that may be the end of this depending on what happens when all this stuff comes out. 
All right. I want to wrap up with with a couple of things that I talked about on TikTok, and I'll mention it here. There are two things in this country that are obsolete, outdated, antiquated, and of no value to the people of this country. And those things are the filibuster and the debt ceiling. Let's talk about the filibuster first. The filibuster is something that was enacted many years ago. It wasn't in the original Constitution, as a lot of people think it wasn't. Now, the filibuster was largely used most famously for protecting Jim Crow laws and holding down people of color, keeping them in their place. It's really not done a lot of good in this country. And you have to understand what the filibuster is. And I'll try to explain it to you. Take, for example, what we're dealing with right now. We have the Democrats with the majority, the Republicans in the minority. Now, what that does basically is allows the minority to block whatever the majority might want to do. Here's how it worked out. Originally, when the filibuster was started, um, it was a situation where the minority had to step up to the podium and talk for hours or days or whatever to try to overturn whatever bill was going to happen. Well, that's all changed. Leave it to Congress to want to make things easier for themselves. So now basically all that has to happen is the minority says, hey, we call filibuster. And now that makes it so that any bill has to pass with 60 votes as opposed to a simple majority, which would be 51 votes. So what that ultimately means when you have a Senate like we have now, you have 50 percent Democrats, 50 percent Republicans. Democrats want to push their bills through like they're doing right now. The Republicans don't want that to happen, so they instate the filibuster, forcing the 60 votes. And because they're split 50-50, there's no way those bills will ever pass, and the minority can block what the majority wants to do. Now, here's one important factor that you need to understand. Right now, the Democrats want to get rid of the filibuster. The Republicans don't, because the Republicans are in the minority. But if the roles were reversed, the Democrats were in the minority, Republicans were in the majority. Now the Democrats would love the filibuster because it helps them maintain some power even when they're not in the majority. They can shut down things the majority wants to do. So that's nice for the political parties. But who loses in this situation? Nobody gains except the political parties. The only people that lose in this are us. Because nothing gets done. We have all these infrastructure bills that are going to do a lot of good for this country. The Republicans don't want it. That's not even the real problem with this infrastructure thing. It's two Democrats, but that's another story for another time. But in normal situations where you need the 60 votes, the minority can shut it down. And whoever is the minority loves the filibuster. That's Democrats and Republicans. And you'll get a lot of Democrats now that are in the majority are still saying, yeah, I don't know, I kind of like the filibuster, it's important. And the only reason they say that is because they know at some point they will be in the minority 
And now they'll have the Republicans shoving shit down their throat, passing it. But let's look at the situation. We are democracy. And what's the key to, to a democracy? Majority wins. That speaks against the whole electoral college thing, as we've talked about, because we've seen Donald Trump lose the majority vote two times in a row, and one time he won the presidency. But if we are democracy and majority rules, why then do we need 60 votes? Who does that serve? I mean, a majority, a simple majority, is 51 votes in the Senate. You get 51 votes out of 100, you're in the majority. But see, both the Democrats and the Republicans don't like it because then it, they lose complete power. And who's ever in majority can pass all these bills with no problem. And yes, I understand their point of view because the Democrats don't want the Republicans to run wild. The Republicans don't want the Democrats to run wild. But again, what's the bottom line? The bottom line is you get a majority into the Senate and you want to get the things you want for this country passed. But you can't because the minority shuts it down. And that's whether we're talking about Democrat or Republican. So these people that were intended and elected and paid to govern, to work for us, to work for this government, to protect us in order to get us the things we need in order to survive in this country, to live decently, to seek out our liberty, nothing gets done. Now, this is perfect for the politicians because they don't have to give up power. No matter where they are, they are okay because they can either pass stuff or put out the filibuster and shut things down. But again, you see, this doesn't affect Democrats or Republicans, the party, the politicians. It only affects us. This is why for so many decades that nothing that should have gotten done did get done. I mean, I'll give you an example. Obamacare. People always complain, yeah, Obamacare is not good. It's not the best for the people. And I'd have to agree, there's many things in Obamacare that are not good. But is that because the Democrats came up with a shitty plan? Eh, Maybe partly, but not totally. Because you see, in the process of getting this Obamacare passed, they now have to negotiate with the Republicans. And if they are going to vote for it in order to get this thing done for the people, they want some changes to Obamacare. And that's exactly what they did. But they don't want good changes because if Obamacare turns out being really good, then that makes them look really bad. So what they do is they negotiate and try to sabotage Obamacare so the Democrats don't look good. But again, we've got a pissing contest between the Democrats and the Republican, but who fucking loses? It's us. We lose because we don't get the health care we deserve just so we don't hurt the feelings of the Republicans in that situation. And the important thing to remember is that it goes both ways, Democrats and Republicans. I believe if we're going to be in a democracy, a simple majority should be fine. 51 votes win. The bill passes. Now, granted, if you're a Republican and the Democrats pass something, you don't like it or vice versa. But the fact of the matter is we need movement. Anytime you're doing anything in business, you need movement. If you make a mistake, okay, figure it out when you get the Democrats in and change it. 
But the simple majority is the only true way to get this done because it's the only way anything gets done with this situation. So the filibuster has to go not for the benefit of the Democrats or the Republicans because they have no integrity in this. One of them will like it and one of them will hate it and it will switch back and forth depending who has power. The only people that get screwed in this filibuster deal is us. So it needs to be us, whether we be Democrats or Republicans, fighting against it. Because even if it's not affecting you now, it will affect you in the future. And it'll cause our government to get nothing done. So remember that when you're talking about the filibuster. It's not about Democrats versus Republicans. It's about those motherfuckers against us. The last thing I will talk about that's outdated and antiquated, this debt ceiling thing. Now, of course, if we don't raise the debt ceiling, the country shuts down. We could lose six million jobs, fifteen trillion dollars, or whatever in uh, personal wealth. Stock market crashes. We get a recession. Nobody wants that, Democrats or Republicans. But again, we've got a pissing contest between the Republicans and the Democrats. So the Republicans say, "No, we won't vote for it." But the funny thing is, the Republicans did that three or four times during the Trump administration, suspended the uh, debt ceiling, and uh, we we moved on. The fact of the matter is, the debt ceiling has been raised, what, a hundred times since it was instated? And a hundred times it's been raised, because there's really no option to it. You've got to do it. The fact is, the whole concept of a debt ceiling is, as I say, antiquated, outdated, and of no service to us. Every other country who had a debt ceiling has gotten rid of it, because all it does is cause drama and causes uh, us to be a pawn in a pissing match between the two parties. They're going to raise it. they got to raise it. Nobody's going to be responsible for destroying the economy in this country, but they want to dick around with it for a while just so they can make their point or gain some points against their adversary. It's going to get raised. So now they've temporarily set it to like December 3rd, but on October 18th, you know, we become in default and that causes a problem. So now do they get it fixed between now and October 18th? I don't fucking know. I mean, at this point, this is bizarro world in our government. All the things that we thought were right and all the things that they would take care of, even if it's the last minute, we don't know. Because we've got the Republicans kind of a wild card. Apparently, they don't care if they destroy this country. They're certainly trying to undermine democracy. So who knows what they're going to do? So we have to find a way to shut this down. First of all, we need to get rid of the debt ceiling because it serves no purpose but cause drama and pain and it's just part of the pissing contest between the democrats and the republicans so i hope we can get rid of that first get this settled get the debt raised because it has to be raised i mean that's the funny thing they don't want to raise the debt limit but this debt limit isn't for what the democrats might spend it's for all the shit they spent during donald trump's uh reign 
They paid the money. I mean, look, if you want to raise a debt ceiling or you want to be conscious about how much money you spend, that should come at the time when you're spending the fucking money, not after the fact and saying, oh, I don't know if we want to pay that. Too late, pal. You already spent the fucking money. You need to raise the debt limit because you fucked up and went beyond the debt limit in the first place. But see, they don't look at it like that because most people don't understand it. All they want to say is, well, see, the Democrats want to do this crazy spending. And maybe they do. But this debt ceiling has nothing to do with what the Democrats are going to do. It's ridiculous. It's a bunch of shit that isn't necessary. And unfortunately, we the people end up hanging in the balance. Because if for some reason this does shut down, again, the, the politicians aren't affected other than maybe in elections. We're the ones that are getting fucked over. We're the ones losing jobs, costing us money, costing the stock market and our 401ks to disappear. It's absolutely a bunch of bullshit. And again, like the filibuster, the Democrats and the Republicans could easily go either way on this. It depends on what benefits them. You see the key here? It's not about what benefits us, which is the... uh, absolute description of their job, it what benefits them. So we, we've got to look at these two situations, the filibuster and the debt ceiling, and decide this isn't about political parties. This is about all of them against us, and we need to do something about it. All right, I'm going to wrap things up here for yet another Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have questions, comments, complaints, whatever, you can go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer, leave a voicemail, or you can send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com. We'll be back very shortly, maybe even tomorrow, next day, whatever, but we'll keep coming with you here on the Rational Boomer podcast. Have a good week. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.